Cannibal the Musical is the true story of the only person convicted of cannibalism in America, Alfred Packer, the sole survivor of an ill-fated trip to the Colorado Territory. He tells his side of the harrowing tale to news reporter Polly Pry as he awaits his execution, and his story goes like this. While searching for gold and love in the Colorado Territory, he and his companions lost their way and resorted to unthinkable horrors, including toe-tapping songs. Packer and his five wacky mining buddies sing and dance their ways into your heart and then take a bite out of it. Cannibal the Musical is Oklahoma's blood-sucking freaks, brought to you by the Troma team and Trey Parker, the Rogers and Hammerstein of horror. I'm Corey. And I'm Paul. And we are the, the B-Movie, B-Movie Bros. Bros. Here are B-Movies to the best of our ability. Sometimes we get off topic, but randomness is a gift. As we continue our journey through Musical Month, we bring you the 1993 musical, Cannibal, the Musical. You heard what the back of the DVD case had to say about it. We're going to dive right into the shit with our technical difficulties, top and bottom three of this movie. Should we start with top or bottom this week? Uh, Let's start with the top this week. Well, for me, number three was the Samurai Indians. You know, they're, they're traveling through the mountains in Colorado, and they come across the... You know, Indian tribe that the Nihonjin that are they are Indians, and they just keep asking them, well, "What tribe? You you don't believe we we are Indians?" And I just I, I like them. They're funny. They got fucking teepees that are made out of Japanese flags and samurai swords, and you know they got Japanese names and shit. For number two, um, there's a scene where. Alfred Packer has to kill Bill, one of the other people in the party. <laughs> kill Bill. And he kills him like four times. He throws a cleaver into his face. He shoots him. He stabs him in the eye with a sharp, pointy stick. And then he hits him with a pickaxe. And the fucker just won't go down. He just keeps getting back up and up and screaming and going, Bleh! I think it's hilarious. Number one, the word and usage of spadoinkle. It's some kind of term that they came up in this movie that is just a universal word for anything. It's kind of like the Smurfs, using Smurf for everything. It's a swear word. It's a tasty word. It's a sex word. It's spadoinkle. It's the Mormon version of fuck, basically. What about you? For number three, this movie had both lowbrow toilet humor and really well-timed uh, witty lines, and it managed to kind of combine them both pretty well. Like It's pretty clear that the people who made this are responsible for making South Park, because it's pretty much the exact same kind of humor, which I really like. And all the voices from South Park. Well, yeah, that too. For number two, I liked all the songs in the movie. Some were definitely better than others, but there were really none that I could say were bad or that I didn't think were good in some way. And for number one, the main cast of characters all played well off each other. They all had, like, really conflicting personalities, but it really made for some great dialogue and scenes. Well, I guess that brings us to the bottom three of this movie. For me, number three, uh, it's really a nitpicky thing, but towards the end of the movie... You know, they're they're closing everything out, and they have edited in a little boy dressed as Tiny Tim from A Christmas Carol going, God bless us, everyone. It just it just doesn't make any sense. Well, it's not supposed to. It's a random insert from that everybody knows what it's from. And I don't like it. It does not belong here. You don't belong here. No, I don't. <laughs> Number two, they interlude some kind of love story into this movie 
between Polly Pry and Alfred Packer. It's just so forced, so contrived, and I just don't care. Why are you forcing this love in here? She's a reporter. Have her gather it, believe him, and just out of the kindness of her heart, want him released. Why does it have to always be, oh, I helped you because I'm in love with you? No, just fucking, oh, I wanted to be a good person. I didn't want to see an innocent man hanged. Number one, there is a song about a snowman, about building a snowman. And the one character, Swan, he tries to sing it twice. And the second time, he gets fucking shot in the head. What? He's just trying to build a snowman. I I can't. I love, I love building snowmen. If every time I got hilarious. shot in the head when I'm building a snowman, I'd be dead. I don't want to be dead. And Swan... His swan song was, you know, building a snowman. And I wanted him to be able to finish it. Finish the snowman. Finish the song. He deserved to get shot for doing the same song twice. Are they really, like, are they really going to make us listen to the same song in a musical twice? Of course not. Well, they better they, he, they shot him in the they head. They didn't shoot Polly for stealing Trey Parker's song later in the movie when she sang about being on top of him after he was talking about being on top of a horse. Yeah, then Bill came out of nowhere to, like, try to kill them, so that stopped it. Maybe he shot her in the head. Maybe. I hope he did. Alright, for me, number three, some of the scenes just went on too long and weren't funny. In particular, the scene where Alfred's um, continuously fighting Bill. I know you liked it, but I thought it was stupid after a while. It's like, I get it. He's he's it's he's taking forever to die. Ha ha ha. It's so funny. Then there's a scene where there's a bar fight, and then he, um, Alfred goes from one person getting attacked by one person to another. And it started out funny, but it just went on too long. For number two, I didn't really see the point in having the trappers. They didn't really add much to the movie. Yeah, they were antagonists to the um, main characters, but they didn't really do anything except act like dicks. And I think that the movie could have been fine without them. I, I didn't dislike them, but they just seemed kind of pointless overall. And for number three, I kind of agree with you that the love story plot between Alfred and Polly was kind of forced. I th- It was definitely supposed to be unrealistic. It's one of those things where there's no actual reason why she would have fallen in love with him. And it was meant to be kind of funny, but that joke's been done so many times that it just, I didn't find it all that funny. Since it is musical month, let's just go one step further here and... Uh... Do our, what we think is the best and worst song of this movie. I thought the best song in this movie was Spadoinkle. It was the main theme of the movie and also the first song that played. And I really thought it kind of set up the silly kind of non-serious atmosphere of the movie. It was, at least I thought, the catchiest song in the whole movie. And it actually made its way into South Park years later. After the um, end credits of South Park, you'll hear like the the um, beginning of Spadoinkle, and I thought that was pretty cool. For me, I think, although Spadoinkle is the catchiest song, and it's the most reusable one, I actually think that Hang the Bastard, the final song in the movie, is the best portrayed. Um, Just because of the choreographed dance that goes with it, it's got so much more going on, and so many people participating in it to make it work. I just think that's the best one in the movie. As far as worst song goes... I have to give it to Polly's song, her little love ballad to Alfred where she's on the steps. 
Yeah, I picked the exact same one. I didn't think it was bad. I just said it was the least catchy, and it kind of felt out of place. Like, I don't remember really any of the lines in that one. Whereas everything else in this movie was kind of, like, upbeat and energetic, Polly's song was just, like, a very traditional singy song. Like, it wasn't... There was no energy behind it. Nothing happened. It was just her standing on the stairs singing. Like, even Alfred's love ballad to his horse, Leanne, there was a montage of flashbacks of him growing up with his horse. So at least you had other visuals going on. Polly's song, you had none of that. Just- yeah, it was pretty boring compared to, like, the rest of the movie. Um, I still don't think it was a bad song. I just think, like, compared-wise, it was just not nearly as good. We didn't really mention it, but there is some dialogue in this movie. So let's have ourselves a good old-fashioned quote war. You're doomed. 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 Who are you, assholes? We're not afraid of anything. We have Jesus on our side. Excuse me, I've been looking at our situation, and I've come to the conclusion that we're all completely fucked. Has anyone else realized that? And that concludes this episode's edition of Quote Wars. If you have a favorite quote or would like to comment on our Quote War, you can leave a comment here on SoundCloud. Find us on Facebook at B-Movie, space B-R-O-S, that's B-Movie Bros. Or tweet us at B-Movie Bros or Paul directly at B-Movie Paul. Now it's time to give our final take on the movie where we'll give this movie a score on our shot scale. Remember, our shot scale is a reverse scale, 1 to 10, 1 being the best, 10 being the worst. How many shots do you need to get through this movie? Paul? I give this movie a 2 out of 10. I gave it a 2 out of 10 as well. How come you did? Cannibal the Musical is the best musical about cannibalism that has ever been made. It manages to be funny from start to finish. The interactions between the characters were hilarious and managed to make what would normally be considered serious content funny. Some of the scenes dragged on a bit too much, but overall, this is one of the best times I've had watching a musical. The creators of Cannibal the Musical later went on to make South Park, and you can definitely notice that the voices are the same, because most of the voices in that are voiced by Matt Stone and Trey Parker. And it's really kind of fun to see what, like, how their sense of humor changed throughout the years, and all the things that stayed the same. They also later went on to make The Book of Mormon, which is arguably the best uh, musical of all time, so... It's definitely cool to see the precursors of everything that came later. I have to say that Cannibal the Musical is a music-driven movie, just as the name would suggest. The story is simplistic, which allows for all kinds of musical intervention. There is a bit of blood and gore, however, the dialogue does leave one desiring something more. The characters all fill in niche in the movie, and their interactions bring much welcome laughs. If a forced love story weren't thrown into this mix, it would probably be a perfect B-movie. But alas, love plays a pretty unbelievable role in it, and as such, it gains a point or shot. Now, we know not everyone likes the same kind of shit that we do, so we like to give every B-movie we review an A-movie companion and tell you why this B-movie is the same exact movie as this A-movie, a movie of higher class and standard. For me, I picked the 2001 movie Hannibal. Paul? I picked the 1959 movie Ben-Hur. Well, that'll be interesting. I'm going to start us off, though. Hannibal and Cannibal the Musical. For both movies, the cover art is just the face of our main character, Alfred Packer in Cannibal the Musical, and Hannibal Lecter for Hannibal. Hannibal and Cannibal rhyme. Both movies are about a person that eats other people. And finally, the movie Cannibal the Musical is filled with songs. And 
in the Crypt Keeper from Tales from the Crypt, his Christmas CD, Hannibal the Cannibal is used as a line during the Christmas rap. Therefore, Cannibal the Musical and Hannibal from 2001 are the same exact movie. There's a Christmas rap in an episode of um, Tales from the Crypt. No, there's a whole Christmas CD of Christmas songs sung by the Crypt Keeper. Interesting. I have to hear that now. So, I picked Ben-Hur because both movies take place in the past. Ben-Hur took place during the Roman Empire, and Cannibal the Musical took place in 1800s uh, Colorado. The protagonists of both movies are taken prisoner during the course of their respective film. In Ben-Hur, Ben is taken prisoner by the Romans after being betrayed by one of his friends. And Alfred Packer in Cannibal the Musical is arrested for, well, cannibalism. Both movies have the protagonist fighting the antagonist toward end. In Ben-Hur, Ben is in a, is part of a chariot race fighting the Romans. And in Cannibal the Musical, Alfred Packer ends up in a bar fight and fights um, the leader of the trappers who stole his horse. And finally, both protagonists at the end receive some kind of redemption. At the end of Ben-Hur, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ frees the world from sin and allows humanity to start anew, thus putting the, an end to the legacy of violence and vengeance between the Jews and the Romans. In Cannibal the Musical, Alfred Packer is saved from being executed by both Polly and the Indian chief. So there you have it. If you want to see an A-movie version of Cannibal the Musical, you can take a look at Hannibal from 2001 or Ben-Hur from 1959. Now it's time for everybody's favorite game. It's time to drink away the flick. Drink away the flick. Come on and grab your drink. Let's drink away the flick. And we're going to give you some drinking games to go along with this movie. For me, number one. Anytime you hear the word spadoinkle, take a drink. Number two, whenever Leanne's name is said, take a drink. Number three, whenever the group meets others in their travels, take a drink. Number four, anytime the map shows up on screen, take a drink. And number five, of course, because it's musical month, every time a new song starts, take a drink. Every time a ca the characters insult, yell at, or attack each other, take a drink. Every time Packer tells the others that they're almost there, take a drink. Every time the movie switches back to their present time, take a drink. And every time cannibalism occurs, take a drink. Those are your ways to drink away this flick. Now that we're at the end of our second week, we can rank the movies we've seen this month so far. For me, number one, Cannibal the Musical. The songs were catchy. The quality was good. It was an overall good time. For number two, Nudist Colony of the Dead. Same thing. Songs were catchy, fun, but the quality and the usability of the songs were just a little bit less. Yeah, I had the same exact ranking. I, I really like um, Nudist Colony of the Dead. I thought it was a fun movie, especially considering how low budget it was. But the songs aren't as catchy or memorable as those in Cannibal the Musical. And Cannibal the Musical is just more consistently funny. I, I had a better time watching it. Any comments or questions you have for us on Cannibal the Musical or any other movie in particular, feel free to leave them here on SoundCloud. Find us on Facebook at B-Movie space B-R-O-S, that's B-Movie Bros, or tweet us at B-Movie Bros or Paul directly at B-Movie Paul. And for anything in the Pittsburgh area, you can check out our friends over at riversedgepgh.com.
If you join us next week, we'll be reviewing the 2008 musical Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog. So until then, friends, be brave, be alive, be back next week.